All right. Hello and welcome back to the In the Can podcast. This time, since I didn't do this on Tuesday, I'm with Tom and James. And I'm Devin. And we are doing some subgenre playing today. So, what today is going to be is we're giving you kind of a, a taste test of what we like so that moving forward, you know which one of us you kind of most identify to. with. Yeah. So I'm going to be going through the different main genres, such as action, fantasy, western, comedy, musical, sci-fi, and so on. And I'll be, and we'll collectively be giving some examples of subgenres. For example, romantic comedies, or chick flicks, or you know, stop motion animation or animation, and so on. And we're going to then decide which one of those subgenres, or a subgenre that we realize we forgot is our favorite. And at the end of this, you'll then know what we like, what we don't like, and whether you agree with one of us in particular. Cool? Sounds good. Sounds good. Awesome. Tom, why don't you pick a number between 1 and 11? Uh, Let's go 7. All right. So our first topic, and we're going to knock this out right away, is documentary. I'm going to very quickly describe the different documentary types because I actually have seen a bunch in... uh, in the different documentary types. First off, there's mockumentary. These are not actual documentaries, but they're in the style of documentaries. So Sp- Borat. Spinal Tap. Borat. Uh, this is Spinal Tap. Um, a lot of those that are fake, based on fake events and that kind of thing. There's not a whole lot of mockumentaries out there. It's not very well known. No, there actually isn't. No, it's it's a hard one. Other than Borat, The Dictator, Bruno, and this is Spinal Tap. There's not a whole lot of documentaries. Um, Metallica had one not too long ago that was actually more of a documentary than a lot of people thought. But you kind of end up crossing into uh, found footage as well. You also, yeah, it's also really easy to cross in a parry. Yeah, and yeah. that's not nearly as fun. Um, we also have reflective documentaries, which is like, remember that time that we all went to Woodstock? And then like a feel-good documentary showing what it was like to be there. There's also like the feel-bad, like remember 9-11 type documentaries. Those are reflective. Um, narrative, which is I have a story and I'm going to do it, much like Super Size Me. I'm going to do this for 30 days. Follow me through the story. Um, then you have investigative. I have one question, and I'm going to get that answer solved, or a number of questions. So, for example, Sicko or Capitalism Love Story, it's oh. you know, Michael Moore investigating down into the down into that, or Where in the World's Solomon Laden by Morgan Spurlock, so on. And then you have the observational, which is where you get a lot of documentaries. They quite often will set a camera down and do interviews with people and kind of get a lot of the war stuff, a lot of war stuff, a lot of like, because then you can use archival footage. Yeah, you get that kind of stuff. Reflective and observational. Reflective is more history. Observation is more now. So like a paper clips, that's more observational than yeah. And investigative. So, but documentaries kind of run the gamut from being great to being absolutely terrible. So. But the boring stuff you watched in school. Yeah. And the boring stuff you watched in school, usually observational. So, mm. so yeah. Uh, that out of the way, what are your thoughts on the different documentary subgenres? 
personally, I'm more the reflective slash observational. I like a lot of the war stuff, paper clips, that, that one. Just, I'm a fan of history and hearing someone's interpretation of it, especially laying out the events, especially if there's archival footage, whether, whether audio for speeches or video for maneuvers and such. That's what really gets me if I actually have to watch a documentary. Right. Other than that, usually I find it a waste of time or pretentious as all get out. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm a big fan of the reflective, observational, and investigative. Very little narrative. The I'm, again, in the same boat as you, James. I really like those historical documentaries. Uh, I also am a big fan of the nature documentaries. <laughs> so This is Planet Earth. Actually, yes. No, I, that wasn't a joke. That was planet, like, Earth, planet Earth, life. Uh, Nature's beautiful. It is, and it doesn't care about you. <laughs> it's incredibly insane to watch some of the stuff that is observed. And one of my favorite series is the Disney Life series that they do. Disney Life, all those, those are definitely observational. But when yeah. they tell a story about that person's family, that's narrative. Right. So, so or that animal's family. Right. So. I mean, there's that thing, but they're actual, like, the Life series that they did, which was very similar to Planet Earth. Yep. My my mother watches now uh, like nowadays watches a lot of the uh, what I guess you would call the the zoo narrative documentary sort of stuff oh, where yeah. you're following the life of of the animals in the zoo. Mm-hmm. And I won't lie, especially because they're really cute. More often than not, that it's, it's those shows suck you in. Yeah, like, really hard. Yeah, my mom watches one. I forget what it's called. Something zoo or something like that. I think I know what one you're talking about. Yeah, and it's mine. Mine just watches the same. I think one. it's the New York Zoo or something like that. That sounds that. real yeah. familiar. Yeah, and it's it, she's obsessed with it, and, and it for good reason. It's I've watched a couple episodes. I'm like, this is a clever show. I like it. Same. Yeah. Um, Other yeah. than that, yeah, I'm a huge history one, especially when it goes back be it past World War II and everything like that. Before they really had like archival footage, so there's a lot of interpretation and it's through the, interpreted through text or even investigation as to like the Viking stuff or things like that. Archaeology, archaeology, yes. So, personally, I like investigative or narrative. I like when they have a plan going into the, the documentary and they stick to the plan. I'll agree. Uh, so many the of the documentaries that I just hate start with an interesting concept. So. I, I didn't hate it, but Super Size Me too. Holy Chicken, started with a really cool concept of trying to come up with a way to make an uh, like an honest, healthy fast food restaurant, and then just got sidetracked halfway, halfway through. And that bothered me because I, I wanted more about him making the thing and less about the other stuff. So I like narrative because they tell a complete story in one sitting. And I like investigative because if they have like an interesting enough question... Uh, as the overarching like drive of the of the movie, it makes a better film to me. Okay. I'll agree. And telling some history from some time ago, I don't really care that much. To quote Kylo Ren, "Kill the past, <laughs> kill the past, move on." I, I like that. I like the entries of something now or telling a story nobody's heard from back then. That that's a better way than just living in the past. I can I, see that for sure. Yeah. So, but yeah, documentary, I prefer narrative and investigation. When the two of us are more the reflective observational with him actually being the investigative too. Yeah. 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 All right. So, James, pick a number one through ten. We're going to go with five. 
All right. Uh, we're doing action. Go oh. from the most boring of movies to the least boring of movies. All right. So there's a lot of different types of action. And, oh, yeah. Uh, mostly they're divided up by the main character. Um, something like gangster. Main character's gangster. Something like film noir. Uh, most likely a detective. That also leads to detective films, which... Slightly different. Detective. Martial arts film. Main character is martial artist and so on. But... Everyone, basic idea. everyone can name an action film. Everyone can name an action film. Everyone's seen an action film. If you haven't, why are you listening to a podcast about movies? Right. Um, but this is also one where a lot of dramas get thrown in. Like, just pure on dramas that don't have any action in it. But, like, a lot of spy movies, like Tinker Tailor Soldier Spy. I still need to see that. Not an action movie, but it's a spy film. Um, action itself seems to be a pretty good. I wouldn't. I wouldn't say subgenre, more like co co genre. Yeah, a lot of things. It's an umbrella genre, is what I like to refer to it as. That's it's a great. It's like way. the catch all for everything that's not specific. It's the genre. safety net. Yeah, um, kind of like so you, drama in general. Yeah, you end up with like adventure movies, like Indiana Jones, being mm-hmm. the same overall genre as like the Mission Impossible movies and Fast and the Furious and. Raid is a is a like a martial arts you know thriller and you kind of get a whole bunch of different ones in this genre so yeah it's the loosest specific genre on this entire list yeah I'll agree with that so, for sure but let's start Tom if you are sitting down to an action movie what kind of action movie would you like to see which subgenre of action movie Oh, uh, this one because it is such a broad strokes. We go from the least broad to the most broad, right? <laughs> it's the way randomness. Happens. That'll be fair. Sci-fi is kind of close to that, right? It, oh, because we'll this is that. such a broad strokes type of genre, it's a little tough for me. I'm not gonna lie. Immediately pulled towards the erotic superhero. Erotic. <laughs> yeah, totally the erotic. Like, yeah. Uh, the superhero comic book movies just because within the past few years that's where most of our attention has been drawn to yeah. it's exploded it's exploded yeah and growing up you know I was always into like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles and the like so I mean Batman for what it's worth uh, so that's what I was really into but as I've gotten older I would definitely have to say things like the the gangster or revenge thrillers have really started to pull me in a little bit more. Um, even those military uh, action films. All right. So if you had to, if you Choose are sitting one. down in a theater and you know it's an action movie, what kind of movie are you hoping it to be? You get one answer. Mm. Just make it easy on the listeners. Fair hard on you. While you can be happy with multiple ones, what is the one you're hoping it to be? I'm going to have to say that I'm, I'm going to have to go with straight-up adventure. Uh, there's so much... Like, even though it wasn't on that list of things, adventure... It's there. It's no, there. on my list of things. Yeah. Uh, adventure, just because there's so much you can do with it, and it can go all over the place, and it can encapsulate a lot of the things that I've already said. Yeah. So... I'd have to go adventure. Like a nice rollicking adventure. And, I mean, yeah. not going to lie, I really enjoyed Jumanji, the the last Jumanji movie that came out. That was a whole lot better than it should have been. Yeah, and I'm excited as hell for the sequel. 
Absolutely. I'm excited because it looks like they're messing with the actors. And I'm that's, so what I, that's what I mean. I am excited as hell for the sequel. And as bad as it was, I enjoyed the original Jumanji movie for what it was worth. Yeah. I yeah. thought it was an uh, entertaining film. So. And yeah, I placed SL in the action-adventure scenario. Absolutely. A lot so. of fun. It, it, had a, it had a sprinkle of everything. Absolutely. What so. about you, James? Uh, looking over this as I was given time as uh, Tom Slayer it out. <laughs> Honestly, I'm Pulling more and more towards the revenge thrillers. All right. I just saw Upgrade last week, and that sort of thing. One of my favorite movies of all time is John Wick. Definitely. What is that? Yeah, that's that's a revenge thriller. That's a revenge thriller mixed with like a hitman film, mixed with the spy kind of. Yeah, mixed with martial arts, mixed with spy. But the big the big draw factor is that that's the revenge. Oh yeah, he is is on he is on a a rage field revenge one. Battle like bloodstain, and the thing I like about it is that you can, you can have it be that just pure revenge thriller where it's like it, which was John Wick, or you can go kind of the upgrade where it is revenge but it gets twisted and deconstructed. Yeah. What I what I've been finding I love about them and why I really want to look at some of those Korean flicks you keep talking about. It's a character study. Yeah. That's what I find myself lately draw more and more to. And more often than not, they're the darker character studies. Mm-hmm. Like, what is a human at its darkest? Yeah. At that point where you are at the worst point you've ever been, what will you do? What can, can you force yourself to do? And what will break you? Yeah. There's a couple of movies that I can recommend there. I'll do that later. For me, I am solid revenge thrillers. Just, I have seen tons of them and they still... <laughs> absolutely blow me away particularly coming out of korea and indonesia there's a few really twisted indonesian um thrillers i like you know i love adventure movies if they're done well and i love martial arts films again if they're done well and detective films really fun to watch i really get into a good detective film like seven or or like gone girl or a couple others a couple others. yeah you know i absolutely love those Revenge thrillers like Chaser and Handmaiden and the the Revenge trilogy and Revenge and just all these different movies they're they're just great. What I found the the most the most about them is that the people who do a revenge thriller know exactly what they want to hit. Yeah, they knew exactly they know exactly what emotions, what scenes that they want to do, and so they do them. Yeah, right. The other one I want to mention is Octane Action, because I didn't know that that was what it was called. But Octane Thrillers are... Cars. The movies that, yeah, the the big thing is cars. <laughs> like, like the big one is Fast and the Furious, Gone in 60 Seconds. Fury Road. Fury Road is somewhere else. We'll get to that. But... I'd also, I'd also call yeah. Redline. I call Redline. Redline, yeah, Redline for sure. Driven, all those. Uh, but... And I'll say, as much as I love superhero films... <laughs> Yeah. You're not wrong. Yeah, it is. As much as I love superhero films, I'm tired. I will take 15, 16 other well-made movies before I see another superhero film. Um, I'll go and see the superhero film opening day. Sure, yeah, I'm happy to. But I feel like there's better ways to tell stories. Yeah, I'll say quickly on that. The only one I'm looking forward to in the, ne- the next spat of Marvel ones is the Doctor Strange one. And that's not, that's not a superhero film. See, to me, the thing about Joker coming out this week today technically is it is a revenge film because he goes too far and then takes it out takes out his revenge okay that is fascinating to me 
So I'm super curious to see where that goes. Yeah, either way, yeah. So. I Looking on this, I'm more and more solidly in the Revenge Slurs than I've ever been, mm -hmm. and I'm starting to realize exactly why you like them so much. Oh, yeah. Uh, remind me, I'll give you Chaser to watch. See how you like that. Yeah. Yeah. And then I have to throw it out there real quick, too. Film Noir. I'm so, yeah. a big fan of it. So I, I can't I watch just... old Film Noir. I, it's too simple? Yeah, it feels... Eh, it doesn't hold up. Whereas Sin City, hot damn, I love Sin City. But yeah, Sin City's one of my favorite movies of all time. One of my absolute favorite examples of film noir that isn't quite film noir is Brick. Yep. Absolutely 100%. Time and time again, I'll mention it. Yep. All right, then. That's that's action. Yep. All right. So, Devin, one through nine. Uh, Well, I, I know the thing. So, three. Oh, hey, I'm damn being, it. I'm being fair. All right, so that means we're jumping into historic slash period pieces. Yes. Ooh. Right. So start us off, Devin. Okay. So my so the different ty types here. There's biopic. Uh, everyone's seen a biopic. You know, that's pretty easy. Historical drama, something that's taken place in the past and it's telling a story. Um, biblical films. <laughs> the Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments. Risen. Ben Hur. Ben Hur. Uh, Passion of the Christ. So on. Period pieces is the blanket, like something telling a small story in a different period. <laughs> Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, <laughs> mostly period pieces are considered before World War II. Anything after that is modern historic, which is weird. Revisionist history is really cool. It's the, the what ifs. It's the what ifs. It's the we change one thing. Let's see what happens. Abraham Lincoln vampire hunter. Abraham yeah. Lincoln vampire hunter. Oh my god. Uh, Banding of Inglorious Bastards, actually killing Hitler, probably Jojo Rabbit, you know, those kind of things. Yeah. Mythological films, everyone's seen mythological. And then un kind of under the same thing, sword and sorcery slash sword and sandals. They're okay, quite so, often tied in with being historic films. So with wait, would that would that would that cover Conan or are you talking more Clash of Titans? Uh they're both sword and sorcery, sword and sandals. Those are more into the fantasy for Conan. But if it was like about how Genghis Khan used wizards, that kind of stuff. Revisionist sword and sorcery. It kind of ties in with historical, but not great. It's it's that it's that mishmash that yeah, you kind of like the wants. Great Wall, the movie that came out a few years ago. Oh yeah, I forgot about that. that one. Has magical elements, but it's still based on a fictional. Oh, so like the mummy. Event. Yeah, yeah, like something like the mummy would be. Or a, if you were to take the TV show kind of Vikings, where they. Bring in the mythology because it's the Vikings. Yeah, yeah, they bring in that mythology and make the sacrifices and talk about Odin and stuff like that. Oh, okay, yeah. So since I have to choose first, um, not a huge fan of biopics. Uh, they're fine depending on what the biopic is. Historical dramas, hit or miss. Atonement was phenomenal, but then like the next historical drama, meh. Uh, biblical films, I I can leave them. I'm atheist, so they fig figure that out. Period pieces again, depending on what it is, I like. I absolutely love revisionist history. I like the what if of changing history. So something like Man in the High Castle just fascinates me. Yes. And because I find his again, I find history boring. It's already happened. It's nothing new. It's already been done. I like the idea of what if I take this real story and twist it slightly. Yeah. So you get that kind of alternate. What if I take that second fork? Yeah. And to me, that's just a much more fascinating, and as a writer, that is so much more interesting. I find it interesting that I understand exactly where you're coming from, yet I also yeah. choose to go with the more... I, I, I love history a lot more than you do. Okay. As a, a, 
which is it, I just find it interesting mm-hmm. that I completely understand I think, you, but I think it's fascinating to read about history and like it's fascinating to learn that's what happened. But at a certain point, I just stopped caring. Like it okay. was no, no, I American history was just thrown into my head in school. That's since fair. school, I'm like, is anything else going on? Because American history is boring to me. But <laughs> no, what, I don't, like, I yeah, yeah. Like uh, I'm kind of curious to watch the turn Washington spies. Because it doesn't feel like it's 100% accurate to exactly what happened. Exactly. It feels like a slightly different version. Okay, That's why yeah. Man on the High Castle is fascinating to me, but I just haven't got around to watching it because I don't have it. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so the to me, and the revisionist history. Hot it, damn. Okay. Mythological. They're cool. I like mythological, but like that in the Sword and Sandal, Sword and Sorcery, I just kind of prefer a more grounded realistic take that is that is incorrect like uh my favorite revisionist history is um b for vendetta i absolutely love that i love how subtle it is that the nazis won the war that is just such a subtle movie that that doesn't specifically say it but it's what happens yep i absolutely love that movie and like that that's my historic no i'll go yeah um I'm going to go with the mythological thing. I always find it interesting. Mythology has always been one of my favorite subjects. Yeah, same here. It is absolutely fascinating. For and sure. especially when the when the, when the the people in, in, in question don't strictly speak to it, like they change it up just a bit because yeah. that's what the old bards used to do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what they used to do. So when they change it up from what exactly I know, but they take it in that correct way. Like when I first watched it, the first Percy Jackson movie, very entertaining. Mm-hmm. Books are better, but beside the point. Yeah. I enjoyed it when I first saw it, yeah. and it's like I and it's it's a revision on the mythology, yeah. but because of how the mythology works, can you really call it a revision? Is this another person's interpretation of the gods? Yeah, and I like when movies do that. It's why I didn't care to watch the Clash of Titans stuff because it looked like a straight rip. It and it's like, why are you guys even bothering? Money. To me, the biggest problem I have with with mythological films is there hasn't been that many good ones. I understand yeah, exactly what I you're talking about. We did a week on mythology and I had a hard time pulling multiple amounts. And the problem I have the problem I think it is is the fact that in a weird way as much as everybody loves loves mythology, I think they're too beholden to the stories we already know. Yeah. I agree. They don't take them and adapt them. They do it writ for writ. And I don't think you should do that with mythology. You should take, like, for all people can sometimes give guff to them, Rick Riordan did it exactly right. Absolutely. He took the mythology, took everything that we know, and then made it his own. Mm-hmm. As a bard, as, as a scribe. That's what he did, and that's 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 what I love. I love when people do that. Absolutely. I mean, especially considering that when he wrote all that stuff, he was writing it for his kids, and then ultimately for students that he was teaching. So, I mean, he did it perfectly, especially since they were all young children at the time that he started doing this. Yeah, so. it was like that's that's when I think it's the best, and I'll agree. I don't think they do it that often enough. Yeah, and I like that there's a lot of movies that are inspired by mythology. Yeah, those are some good ones. Like, uh, don't but, tell you. Yeah, those are fascinating to me when you realize, oh, that's that story. Yeah. Okay, like Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Yes, and. Uh, you can, you, yeah, you can dump that into mythological, yeah. and that's kind of what I'm talking about. Yeah, like, that's, that's a mythological period piece. It's also a musical. Yeah, like yeah, that's a bunch of things. Let's the yeah. discuss that. But it's like, yeah. or if we want to talk about a TV show, though, it does explicitly say American Gods. Yeah, like that's 
that's There's what I love. There's something I have to watch. So. Yeah, but yeah, like I said, I that's to... that's when I think it's at its best. Yeah. And I'll agree, it, it doesn't happen enough. Yeah. Tom, I'm gonna have to say that period pieces are my thing. They're my go-to. I not surprising at all. Yeah, I mean, I loved while it's for take it for what it is, revisionist, I guess, historical drama uh, as well. Gladiator, Braveheart, uh, the Patriot. Pa- um, I haven't seen it. Yes, I have not, I have not seen it. So that's for not- certain things, yes. For other things, no. What about Last Samurai? Love that. I movie. loved Last Samurai. That is a fantastic movie. But like that, that's that's what you're talking about, right? Absolutely. And all of those things have major, horribly anachronistic things going wrong with them. That's um, the yeah. That's the there's there are reasons probably I'm sure. Right. I mean, yeah. But uh, Saving Private Ryan is another one of my favorite movies, hands down. And that oof, yeah. yeah, that's a that's a tough one. Yeah, there's um I forget the name of the movie offhand that I'm super looking forward to. I saw the preview for it when I saw it. Yes, when yeah. I saw it at, at Astra. Amazing looking movie. I, I won't see. lie. I'm I'm definitely curious on that one. 1917. I love Dunkirk. I yes. love Dunkirk. Dunkirk was, was awesome. Really well done. Uh, the Red Baron movie was actually pretty well done. So yeah, period piece. Uh, yeah, period pieces straight up. Because um, that ties into I know I know of the three of us, you probably like history the most. De- yeah. Definitely more than Devin, and yeah. I, I'm pretty sure more than me. Yeah, I love history. Uh, Chris. If you were here, could tell you he and I will just sit there and we'll talk about history for hours and hours and hours and hours and hours. Um, I mean, it is his major; it's what he's going to school to become a teacher for. Uh, oh yeah, for middle school. But hey, no power at job. the same time, like it's always been my thing. I absolutely love history. I find it to be incredibly fascinating. I want to know all the little ins and outs and the, the minutia. Yeah, the minutia of what things are called and why they're called that and how they got to be that thing and why this is in this place over here as opposed to over there and how people interact and that kind of thing. And then you learn it's all one giant spider web. What if what one thing does affects another a thousand miles away. Exactly. So those kind of things have always intrigued me. So hmm. I, I would definitely have to say period pieces just because of that. Because uh, period pieces also usually involve some sort of mythology or uh, historical drama or biopic or whatever, you know. Yeah. So, yeah. I always like looking at the production design of period pieces. Yes. That. Oh, the costuming and such and and Mm. such is phenomenal. I love watching the historic. Historic films are great to learn the details of history. Mm -hmm. Like the story itself, I don't really care about all that much. But like the seeing what 1930s actually looked like, kind of. Or or the one that pops in the one that pops into mind is Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, yeah. Like everything that that's yeah, shown, like there's like, there's a there's a period piece that doesn't feel like a period piece. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and yeah. it's wonderful. And like, again, the costuming is yeah. phenomenal. And yeah. the cool thing is, is one of the other things that helped me keep going on this train was the fact that when I was in college, I had an instructor who actually would dress up and bring in artifacts that were historically accurate. <laughs> that's great. So, yeah, that, that's, and this was at a community college. That explains a lot. Yeah. So, I mean, th- it's one of the things that's always driven me. I love history. So Okay. Cool. Yeah. All right. Let's jump on to the next one. Tom, pick a number. One through eight. Four. 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 
All right, let's jump into some horror. <sighs> Woo, oh boy. All right, so there's a lot. There is a lot of delving into horror here. Um, like, do you want to just give a quick, yeah. quick one, one sentence for each? All right, so just jumping into this. Slasher. Dude hunting a bunch of people and murdering a bunch of people. That's going to be very prominent with all of these. Splatter, splatter films. Dude hunting a lot of people and blood going everywhere. Think Saw and Hostel and so on. Torture porn. Where saw, it's think saw. literally Saw 2. Uh, where it's literally the entire movie, the point of it is to watch people suffer. So Hostel and the later Saw films. Green Inferno. Green Inferno. <laughs> That, that gets into a few other things, but yeah, that's anyway, up there. so next one. Psychological horror, which yeah. it's not physically like someone murdering someone. It's more torturing someone mentally and going from there. Survival horror, which is like jungle that I mentioned on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. That is, you have to live and what do you do to survive? Man, what does a man want to do to survive? Yeah. yeah. Turns out a lot. Um, <laughs> next up is paranormal horror. So yes. you get a lot of like... Poltergeist and Conjuring and all those kind of things. Paranormal activity. Paranormal activity, all that kind of stuff. Supernatural is one that kind of is the the bridge between it. It's kind of like... Ghosts. Like something like Covenant or something like uh, the show Supernatural. It's a supernatural entity usually hunting someone like a slime. Mythological creatures. Mythological creatures. Supernatural beings. All those a lot stories. of ghost films, hauntings, kind of fit into this one. So paranormal and supernatural are kind of very similar, but paranormal is the things that are should not be there, whereas supernatural are the things that may be real, but we can't prove. Creature feature, you get into werewolves and like cool blob and Chupacabra. monsters and that kind of stuff. Yeah, like the legendary Universal monsters; those are creature features. Monster Creature films, like also known as kaiju, uh, giant monsters blowing up towns, kind of bridges into sci-fi. Field. Then you have the infection films, which oh. kind of bridge into zombie, but like the movie Afflicted, and a whole lot of vampire films, and Contagion. The Crazies, Contagion. Uh, 28 Days Later. 28 Days Later, 28 Weeks Later. That's infection films. Found footage... Mostly is only used in horror, but it can be used in other things. Thanks, Blair, Blair Witch. Wreck, Blair Witch, Cloverfield. So let me see Wreck. Uh, I loved Wreck. Quarantine is like this. Zombie Diaries, which sucked ass. Um, <laughs> zombie, but speaking found of. Found footage. Yeah. Zombie films. Zombie films. We've all seen a zombie You've film. all heard of zombie films. If you haven't seen one, go and watch Shaun of the Dead. My favorite zombie film, hands down. Um, up there 28 Days Later, which isn't a zombie film. Cosmic horror is a little bit difficult to... Hello, Lovecraft. Cosmic horror is a little bit hard to explain. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to take a second here. Cosmic horror is the heroes or the protagonists of this fighting an impossible to understand evil. I will add on to that. To me, it's the protagonist fighting against an unknowable entity that does not is it, it can be unaware of its of the protagonist's existence. Yeah, they are fighting something that may or may not be against them, but because of their just their existence is against the protagonist trying to get something. And honestly enough, the one that comes to mind is Cthulhu. No, because that's a movie. Fantastic Four Two. Yeah, uh, Galactus. Galactus. Would be a cosmic yeah. horror. He is yeah. that. He is like almost the definition. Cosmic yeah. horror does 
cosmic horror does branch quite heavily into the idea of sanity versus insanity and whether what you are seeing is real. So annihilation, cosmic horror to the max, and so on. Um, moving on. Subversive horror is the horror that you think is going to go one way and it changes midstream. A whole lot of movies like Cabin in the Woods is a, is a subversive horror. Mm -hmm. um, or it purposely makes you feel at ease and then dashes that. Okay. So yeah. paranoia horror or paranoid horror is ones that it's not so much what's actually on screen, it's what could be there. Mm. So you get a lot of invasion films. You get a lot okay. of ones where you're not sure if something's going to happen. Going into an unknown situation. Yeah. This is the edge of your seat horror. You're never sure where it's going, and it shocks you when it gets there. And it is the one that's most ruined by jump scares. Yeah, a lot of paranoid horror, horror movies are ruined by jump scares. The best paranoid horror... Don't have them. ...is terrifying, but it never shows anything. Uh, and then finally, the kind of blanket B-horrors of, like, Evil Sharknado. Evil, Evil Dead. Dead, yeah. The movies the that first, are... The first one, schlocky B-horror, come on. <laughs> yeah, the ones that are, like... Army of Darkness. Yeah, yeah. low-budget, bad movies that sometimes are decent, but... For the most part, they're like the other catch-all from all the other horror. You laugh at it because it's crap, not because yeah. it's good. Yeah. Yeah. Then we have the hybrid of horror comedy, which or horror comedy and sci-fi horror are the two that are kind of the hybrids that fit into other categories as well. So, yeah. let's see. James, you're up first. What's your favorite of the Psych horror, horror categories? I don't even Psych know think about yeah. that. Everything, everything I say that I, I mm. love, it's like I look at the thing. I look at Pandorum. Do they have the elements of the cosmic slash like sur per, uh, survival horror kind of stuff? Yeah, but what are they mainly? They are people in bad situations that mentally just get brutalized. Yeah. And I said this before. I said this on Tuesday. I can, I can honestly classify a lot of Ad Astra as a psych horror, even though contextually. It not necessarily, but because of the un like because of the vast expanse of space, yep. that's what it felt like to me. It felt like a realistic Lovecraft, which is all about the mind when you take out the creatures. It's all about yep. someone breaking down because of something happening to their mentality. Yeah. So again, it crosses over with a lot of the uh, with a lot of survival horror, the cosmic, and all that sort of stuff. I would say Psych check a lot of paranoia horror. The thing is one of the best paranoia horrors ever made. Oh my god! Where you're yes. not sure if that thing is actually what you're looking at. You're not sure, and like those kind of things. A lot of bottle dramas are 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 paranoia horror. And I find I um because of that I find exactly exactly that is that the paran the the paranoia and the the psychological one almost can be almost intertwined when done correctly. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. So right. who ne who's next? I'll jump next. Mm -hmm. uh, while I do like slasher movies, I've been watching a lot of slasher movies. They they get old. It, it kind of depends on, like, if you're in for just a time to watch watch something in the background. Slashers are great. I hate splatter horror. hate torture porn. Just don't get it. Um, I love psychological horror. But I think, personally, the one that affects me the most, and if I'm looking for, like, a horror movie to affect me, infection films... And oh, so be the bad. idea of paranoia horror are great. Like they they're just awesome. I love paranoia horror when done right. So if I had to pick one, it would be paranoid horror. 
Uh, I also really like just some good supernatural. Like uh, Jeepers Creepers was just a fun little thing. Or something like, you know, like a werewolf or Let the Right One In would be a supernatural. I just genuinely enjoy those kind of horror movies. So, yeah, but I, Paranoid, hands down. I will say before we get to you, Tom, I, I hate slasher films. I absolutely, I hate them, and like you said, I hate the torture porn. It, it's like, yeah. ooh, I, I call, I call them several times, gornography. Yeah, yeah. It's like, I, I'm not, I'm not opposed to ludicrous amounts of gives. I mean, look at, look at upgrade. Sometimes that gets bad. Yeah, but I find that if it's not done right, I start laughing. Yeah, I legitimately start laughing because I find it that hilarious. Yeah. Like I, I love the new Halloween that came out, and that's definitely a slasher. I like the idea of a bunch of people having to fight something coming at them and like putting that in a, a person. I kind of like that one done well, like having one that you get in the mind of the person that's killing oh, people. Yeah. I kind of like that, like Maniac that came out not too long ago okay. with Elijah Wood. It's fascinating. Like Split. Split. Uh, split, split was amazing. So that to me is a psychological horror if I've ever seen one, and I love Split, so yeah. I might want to see it even for like don't care for Shyamalan. Yeah. But anyway, no, I, I fully agree though. I'm not a, for James McAvoy. Can't stand okay. torture porn. Can't stand the splatter. It's not my thing at all. I have a hard time even for that matter um, for doing the zombie horror to an extent because usually that. it ha- it takes that sometimes just way too far with the gore. Yeah. Takes it way too seriously, too. Yeah, yeah, I can think of a couple moments like that. Yeah. yeah. So, so what? What gets your jollies? A hundred percent paranormal, supernatural. One hundred percent. Why did I even ask this? Oh yeah, no, you're paranormal all the way. Yeah. I. How did I miss? How did I forget that? Right. Right. The the things that go bump in the night. The the spooky, the scary, spooky, scary stuff. You know, the ghosts and the goblins and the. Everything that Halloween time embodies uh, from the historical idea of what is supposed to be coming at you. That's where you go to. That's where I go to 100%. Oh, it's the scariest stories to tell in the dark. Yeah. Sort of. I actually haven't seen that one yet. I want to. I'm curious. It'll be coming out, and I'm curious to see it. I'll probably get it on digital. I mean... I don't want to watch it in theaters just because of one scene. Spider. Yeah. Mm, Spider's not my thing. I... Ooh, no. Uh, But, no, the... I mean, I love the series for the Conjuring stuff, and... uh, um. Yeah, just all of those. Uh, Insidious liked the Insidious Insidious series yeah. a lot. Yeah, you you've definitely uh, been the paranormal. Absolutely. Uh, I mean, I I love watching shows like Ghost Hunters and uh, uh Ghost Adventures and stuff like that. Ghost Spacers. <laughs> yeah. Every time I hear something that I, just, I immediately uh, think that and. Supernatural. I mean, I love those shows. Anything involving that kind of thing, that's 100% my my wheelhouse right there. Yeah. I always like being able to kind of quantify that that's a possible. So, like, a lot of paranormal, they just do stuff just to do stuff. And that always bothers me. Right. Like, I like being able to know there's a person in that room. Is that character going to go to that room? Instead of, like, there's a person that went in there, but it's now in this other room. And, like, right. that's where paranormal kind of bothers me. It's kind of, like, one that I've had a really hard time watching just because at points it it's a little slow at times for me, um, where other times it just picks up and ramps up really fast. Uh, and I'm blanking on the name of it, Haunting of Hill, Hill House. 
the one the Netflix series, yeah, The Haunting of Hill House. That oh my gosh, that was a really well done series. Let me but tell you, I'm not that, gonna check it out. And there are so many Easter eggs, little little hidden things so throughout. Haunting at Hill House. Haunting of Hill House. Haunting, Haunting of, of Hill, Hill House. Yeah. I think it's of Hill House. If, Something to that if extent. Not someone correct us in the comments. Yeah, it's it's on Netflix. It is. Wow, it, yeah, it, it's creepy. It has one of the the most solid episodes I've ever seen. I think it's all one camera shot. I think so. It yeah. is an absolutely fascinating um, episode. All right. I haven't finished it all the way through, but it. I have a hard time getting through it just because at points it gets just that creepy and it's hard to watch by yourself yeah. in a room in the dark. Yeah. So, but yeah, that's how I felt. That's how I felt playing Dead Space. Yeah. But yeah, so that's where I'm at right. for that. Okay, cool. So let's jump off a of horror. All right, pick a number. So, One through, I believe, seven. Yeah, I just picked four. So somebody else is up. Oh, uh, I'll pick three. All right, let's do some romancing. Woohoo! Ooh, uh, all right. Uh, so first <laughs> off, romance. It's not going to be our our longest oh, section here. No. Uh, so romance. Some of the some of the subgenres I found for romance. First off, rom com. Everyone's seen a rom com. Yeah. Don't need any real examples. Uh, romantic dramas. Um, rom coms play straight. Yeah. So like a Notebook or something like that. You know, yep. most people have seen a Dear romantic John. drama. Uh, then you have the chick flicks that are just movies made for females, which usually Hallmark, Hallmark Lifetime. Uh, uh, yeah, Lifetime's too anti-woman to me. Yeah, no, it's, it's too anti-male. It's a little bit of both. Well, it's also it's um, also anti-woman because every woman gets beaten. Yeah, it's yeah. true. But chick flicks are like the lighter ones that are kind of like, hey, yeah, let's just go see a go see a movie with the girls kind of thing. Yeah. Yep. Uh, romantic thrillers. You get the ones where it's them like doing action and stuff but falling in love while doing it so like a Mr. And Mrs. Smith kind of thing doomed romance are ones that you know the romance doesn't work Romeo and Juliet Romeo and Juliet uh, 500 Days of Summer yep. um, Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind so on uh, there's a subgenre now that is lesbian slash gay pretty damn obvious what that yep. is um, if you have a problem with that screw you Right. Uh, then there's the anti-romance, which they you think they're going to be a romantic story, but then they decide not to be. Right. So it ends up as not. So uh, for one reason, translation or... fits in there. Okay. Um, as does a whole lot of the movies that I absolutely love. So you can probably tell what my favorite here. And then gothic romance, which mm. is the more supernatural tinged um, romantic movies. Yeah. So I'm gonna go first. I initially thought I was going to say anti-romance, but I love gothic romance. Let the Right One In is a gothic romance that's uh, also kind of an anti-romance. Mm-hmm. It's not wrong. Love in a horror theme, basically. It's a kind of... Mixing. It's the mixing of a horror, darker elements, one that's not particularly like, yay, we're in love. It's it's a interesting type of story to me, and I always find that more interesting than just two people fall in love in a diner. It's just not interesting compared to, like, this dark and dreary world type stuff. So yeah. I, I absolutely love gothic horrors. So. Uh, the Tom Hiddleston one. Uh, Crimson Peak. Crimson Peak, yeah. Those kind of things, I just absolutely love those. Guillermo okay. del Toro is the king of gothic horror. Yeah. Uh, well, Tom? Uh, 
I'm going to have to probably go with... It's a hard one, isn't it? It is a hard one, actually, on this one. So I was... A little bit of background real quick. I was raised in a household of women for the majority of my young life. So I got to watch a lot of these types of movies. Yeah. Uh, chick flicks and rom-coms being the primary ones. Yeah. Uh, however, I'm probably going to have to say that gothic romance is probably where my heart's set. Like, if I'm going to go with any of these. Uh Crimson Peak is an amazing film. I love that one. Uh, just anything along those lines, I'd, I'd have to go with. Like even something like Blood and Chocolate, which wasn't yeah. a great movie, I still really liked. Or yeah. like one of the biggest ones lately is the first Twilight or is the Twilight series. Yeah, I mean well, the first a... one was all right. Yeah, um, I also have to say I really liked Doomed Romance. Like, I like yeah. kind of knowing that it's just, it'll never work out. Right. But I kind of still enjoy the ride. Right. I mean, and if I wasn't going to go with Gothic, I'd have to go with Rom-Com, just because those lighthearted, like, something I can laugh at. And if they fall in love, cool. If they don't, eh, no big deal. It's still fun. It's still fun. You know, like, it, it's, it's... Ryan Reynolds back in the 2000s, early 2000s. Proposal. I mean, yeah. I can totally get behind that movie. Yeah. I like it. All right. James? Betty White. Honestly, if I've got to pick out of all of this, I think maybe Romantic Thriller. All right. Like you said, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, and that just got yeah. me thinking. It's like, done right, I like the slow fall, the, the slow fall of love in with with that action background. Yeah, it's like right. an action movie that kind of the main characters are, are fall in love. And you get that a lot with James Bond. Fallen uh, love, that's not fallen lust. That's a that's a oh, whole okay. another issue. Okay, my bad. Yeah. <laughs> the problem is, is, like, if I don't really, I don't really go out of my way for that, so it's hard to think of a lot yeah. of examples. But Red. Yeah, you know what? That's not a bad example. A lot of Bruce Willis movies. Yeah. yeah, yeah. A lot of those are kind of that that romantic thriller, or yep. There's also ones kind of like a Basic Instinct, not Basic Instinct, but kind of that level where it's a. Where it's like a thriller itself. And yeah. That's kind of in the same genre or same vein here. So. Yeah. So I, 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 I'd have to say romantic thrillers, like yeah. of all of that, because I've said before and I'll say again, I'm the one who that, that romance is, that is real easy to go to, uh, to a stupid place for me. Yeah. That's fair. I, I can, I can peek real easy on romance. Yeah. I'm not. To me, romance, much like comedy, just kind of gets either too sickly sweet or it's just not. It's predictable as hell after a certain point. That's yeah. why doomed romance, anti-romance, and gothic romance, you just are never really sure where that's going. Right. I mean, yeah. even romantic thrillers, you know, they could go in a completely different direction. And, but but that's yeah. why that's why when you said it, it's like I thought Mr. and Mrs. Smith. It's like yeah, you know what? That's kind of like the perfect. Yeah perfect thing of it because there is there is a romance between those two it's just falling out because they're both stupid and their jobs suck yeah and then slowly over the course of it they remember it's like no no we we liked each other yeah 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 Yeah, it's like like the thriller aspect of it rekindles the romance i like that i a lot it again it has to be done well because it's it's easy to not look at look at indiana jones or uh, romancing the stone yeah comes right But that's, yeah, I think out of all of them, that's kind of the one because Gothic goes a little too, that's a little more horror for me than it is because the romance kind of, I look at some of those and it's like, really? Okay. See, I like the, I like the one where it kind of ends up 
for gothic romance, still Let the Right One In is one of my favorite movies. Look, she's kissing a and werewolf. That, That's not wrong. Yeah. And like <laughs> I like the the ones that are more I just like that they're dark romances. No, no, they're I, not happy. They're not clear cut and happy. I, they're I understand. Dark, they're they're usually really depressing. Yeah. So oh, let's get off of uh, real quick too, uh going off of yours, this means war. I really love Ooh. that Chris Pine. That was a fun one. Uh this means Reese war. Witherspoon. Tom Hardy. Chris Pine and Tom Hardy play uh, spies that are like competing against each other and fall for the same girl, Reese Witherspoon. Yeah, that was a fun one. It was. It was. Uh, it also kind of ro- falls into that romantic comedy aspect well, a little bit. You too. know what? I also think. Well, I also think one that that kind of that is the romantic thrill that kind of falls in almost anti-romance. Man from Uncle. Yep. yep. Like that. That had everything, and it felt like they should have been a couple at the end. But I was happy that they. I was happy if it, they had or if they hadn't. Yeah, uh, Pacific Rim kind of has that same thing between Michael and Raleigh, but they end up in anti-romance because they decide not to be. And so. then my real quick last one for me, my first gothic romance that I ever saw, Bram Stoker's Dracula. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, like you more so. <laughs> yeah, I know you, you got subject, you got subjected to Keanu Reeves' very Lost very Boys. bad accent. Yeah, but it's Gary Oldman, man. True. Lost anyway, got the romance. Anyways, anyway, yeah, uh, so I chose. We're going on to western. Woohoo! Not a whole lot of uh, genre subgenres here for western, but we have spaghetti western, which is the ones made not in America, right? <laughs> Mostly Italian, hence spaghetti. You have outlaw films, which are the main character is an outlaw of some kind. Any Clint Eastwood movie? Yeah. Uh, you have martial films, where the main character is some kind of lawbringer, so something like. True grit and so on, or someone that is doing the good good fight. Okay, so any of the military type things would fit here, right? Crap, what's the guy's name? I'm trying to think of that actor who always uh, doesn't matter. That's Uh, gonna John Wayne. Thank you. Yeah, Yeah, John Wayne. Yeah, Yeah, most John Waynes. He's the good guy. Then you have the revenge westerns, which (laughs) has a very specific one where the guy doesn't matter what side he's on, he is wronged in some way, and he's fixing that wrong. Okay. I'll go first. I love outlaw westerns. Outlaw westerns or revenge westerns. I just like when it's not like the lawful good. I'm the hero. It just bores me. Uh, But outlaw western films also include Serenity. And I love Serenity. So, outlaw westerns it is. You know what? I'm just going to do the exact same thing. It's kind of like the revenge thrill. You see the darker side of humanity. And honestly... Those bring out the best in the actors, I think. Yeah, when they just, when they're allowed so to when they're allowed to explore that dark side. Yeah, that's fair. However, I'm going to go with the opposite side of that and go with the martial films because of the simple fact that you're a good cowboy. The simple fact, the yeah, the simple fact that right. Uh, I chose this one because when you look at it, I like things like Dances with Wolves again military guy coming in and joining uh, uh, ends up befriending Native Americans and then having to fight back against those people the Americans who he was once working for. Yeah, you know, Mighty Whitey. <laughs> Hostile, sorry. sorry. Was a martial film. I thought that was a very good film. The these style of films, there's a lot of them where it's the... You like the good guy. I do like the good guy. And that's that's nothing wrong with that. Although, not gonna lie, Serenity, amazing. 
Absolutely loathes. I will also add on to, like, I would almost say Revenge Western because how it ends up, Hateful Eight. Hateful Eight, yeah. And that, that is one of my favorite Westerns, period. There is a lot of... Some of these uh, subgenres kind of bleed together. Westerns, there's quite often it starts as one and turns into another. It's, but yeah, I'll definitely say Hateful Eight's up there with Serenity too. Also, I have to put in there, under Marshall Films, Magnificent Seven. Yeah. I have not seen any of them. Yeah, I love both versions of the film. Uh, and Wait, which both versions? Are we talking the Kurosawa Samurai? or Magnificent Seven versus Seven Samurai. <laughs> now, I love Seven Samurai. Because that's essentially a Western. <laughs> it is. It legitimately is. But... No, you're, talk- but you're talking about the... If you're going strictly the idea of Western Western... Gun Gun, yeah. Yeah, with the six shooters and everything like that, I'm going to have to go with... The, the two versions of Magnificent Seven. Yeah. So, I don't understand. I just can't stand spaghetti westerns. They, no. They are poorly made. They're the cliche. They're, they're the cliche BS, aren't they? They're a lot of like John Wayne type that, but oh, they're God. they're like slightly off-brand John Wayne movies. And while they're good, back then they do not hold up. A whole lot of them have like dialogue issues where it's obvious they're not speaking the right language and it's just they were cheaply made they were, they cranked them out they were big at the time they're All just right. not great moving on from westerns which is All probably right. which is probably our shortest one actually yeah. oh yeah well let's go short again with musicals alright okay there's not very not a whole lot in this Broadway adaptations of Broadway Broadway shows um uh, Anyone seen one of those, you know, Sweeney Todd, so on. Cats. Uh, cats, yeah. Concert films, so movies based on, or based on bands, so Rocket Man, uh, ones that are established songs already. Oh, Bohemian those Rhapsody. Kind of things. Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, there's a whole bunch like that. Metallica had one, I'm sure they did. Uh, like an actual, like they, an, they had one. Yeah. Like an actual video of, doesn't yeah. matter. They've had a few. Uh, anytime you see a biopic about a musician, usually... That's what you're looking at. Um, then you have spontaneous musicals, which are very much like Broadway, but something like Anna in the Apocalypse or something where they just randomly start singing. The, La La Land. the, the ones that La La Land. the ones that bug me, where a guy in the background should be screaming, "How are you all dancing together?" Yeah, uh, even Scott Pilgrim has a moment where Matthew Patel starts singing, but someone immediately calls him out, and it makes the scene legitimate with uh, his song there. Bollywood is spontaneous musicals. Almost yes. everyone. Yeah. Um, yeah, they are. And then you have diegetic musicals. So something like Once, uh, something like Baby Driver, Sing Street, ones where they are physically playing the music or the music is integrated somehow into the story. So um, there's a few others that could probably be thrown in here as well. Those are the those big, are the ones, big ones. Yeah. So, Devin, do you want to go first on that? Sure. Um... It's tough because depending on the Broadway, I I will genuinely love a Broadway show. I used to be a theater major, so yeah, I love Broadway concert films. They're kind of hit or miss. If I like the band, I like the band. Um, spontaneous musicals can be fun, cool. Like I loved Annie in the Apocalypse, and I loved uh, last five years. I I love these movies, but they can go man pretty fast. I don't like Singing in the Rain. I don't like those back from the. The 50s and 60s. I'm not a fan of those. That's when a lot of the spontaneous musicals were made. But new ones? Yeah. Diegetic musicals are tough, 
But I'm going to have to go with Diegetic because I absolutely love Once. I love Begin Again. I love Sing Street. I absolutely love Baby Driver. I love the integration of music into a film. And if they have a reason why they are singing, it makes... I absolutely love it. Mm-hmm. Even though I love La La Land, I loved Once. I love Sing Street. I love all those. So I love diegetic musicals. They're just fascinating to me. And the integration of music into a movie in a way that makes sense is more interesting than just breaking the song. Huh? This one is a really, really tough one for me. Simply because of the fact that I'm a choir kid. So anything where I get to sing, I'm I'm totally 100% on board for. But I'm also a 90s kid. I was raised on Disney movies. (laughs) So as much as I love those Broadway musicals and I love the diegetic musicals, I'm going to have to go with the spontaneous musicals because that's exactly what every single one of the Disney musical movies are, are spontaneous musicals. I'm going to have to go with that one. All right. I will say I forgot about Disney and the spontaneous one. And one of my favorite musicals of all time is The Music Man, which is Broadway. I've got to go with the diegetic. I love when there's a reason for the music. I love when the characters have a reason to sing. Yeah. Like some of the parts in uh, Moulin Rouge. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. like they they have a reason that like that end one with uh, with Ian McGregor approaching the stage. Mm-hmm. Like there's a reason that he's belting it out and it. Yeah. As as a result, you feel it that much more. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's my read. I got that. Plus, I love when the music is integrated. Like, go go with Baby Driver. Yeah. I love that whole movie for the music. Yep. It was beautiful. Yeah, yep. I I've never really been a huge fan of Disney because, like, I always am wondering why are they singing? Why are they not just singing some of this? And that's where a diegetic compared to a spontaneous just it just works better. For me. I agree for the most part. The one I will uh, I will say is is good for the spontaneous is actually Tangled. And I like I like that for but that's for the, me I like movies I like the movies but they're that's for, the logic fail for me the when it comes to musicals the biggest character of any musical is the music regardless of what's going on with the story anything like yeah, that I agree and I have to say the most memorable songs from movies for me well, the spontaneous ones, are yeah. the spontaneous ones from Disney I can you name any of the '90s Disney films that were musicals chances are I can sing at least one of the songs from beginning to end without missing anything. And I know and, definitely yeah. between the two of us, but maybe even you, you put on any of the songs from those 90s movies and we'll most likely guess not only the movie, but the song itself. Yeah. Like, I I know all the music. It's just one that I... Anyway. Like, I absolutely love Dan and the Apocalypse. So that's a spontaneous For sure. 100%. As hell. I love La La Land. That's my favorite of that year. It was and okay. even Whiplash... <laughs> I love Whiplash. Oh God, yes. That is diegetic as hell. That is a diegetic musical, and better be. I loved Whiplash. Yeah, and but no. I love La La Land, but that is spontaneous. So. Yeah. All right, then. Yeah. So that's musical. So let's jump right. from musicals. Let's just get animation out of the way because All right. we, we've given up the guessing the number game. People. There's a, after this, we'll only have three left, and we'll randomize those three. But I want to get animation out of the way really quick. First okay. off, Eastern animation, also known as anime, or Various other forms of that. You know what anime is. Uh, Western hand-drawn animation. So Disney and so on. Up until a certain point. When computers took over. Then you got 2D digital animation. That kind of went after when they started to to procedurally generate the 
the movies. Yep. Then you have 3D animation, such as anything out of Pixar and DreamWorks Animation Studio. And a decent chunk of Disney in the last 10, 15 yeah. years. Yeah. Most of the stuff. Once they went 3D animation, they haven't really gone back. Well, that's because Tre- Treasure Planet got screwed over, but that's a yeah. whole another story. Right. Then you have uh, rotoscoping, which is a very specific one. It's actually used more as an actual filmmaking process and not an animation process. Scanner Darkly comes to mind. Scanner Darkly and Waking Life are the two that I can think of, but yeah. it's its own... Uh, shooting something live action and then animating over top of that. It's trippy. It's trippy. It doesn't work all that well, but when it's used properly, it does. Then you have stop motion animation, like something like Isle of Dogs, uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox, Kubo, Kubo. anything coming out of Leica Studios is um, stop motion animation. And my favorite, of course, Nightmare for Christmas. Now, Jumping from that, you have a very similar process called claymation, which is instead of changing out parts of a puppet, which is stop motion animation, you are physically molding clay. So Wallace and Gromit, Mary and Max, uh, anything oh like that. God. That style is very particular. Parts of uh, Robot Chicken. Most A whole lot of Robot Chicken is claymation mixed with stop motion. And then you have blended animation, which is taking animation and mixing it with live action. Not CG animation like Gollum, though you can make the case for it, but something like Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Rabbit. and there's a bunch of other ones that are all kind of that same time frame. Mostly there are obviously CG and Space Jam. You have obviously CG character, and it's okay that it's obvious. So Great. Yeah, it doesn't break it because that's kind of the point of it. Yeah, right. Uh, I'll go first. Stop motion animation, hands down. I absolutely love... Everything we mentioned, uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox, Isle of Dogs, Nightmare for Christmas, Coraline, Kubo, Box Trolls, uh, any of those. I absolutely love it, that animation style. Um, I don't like claymation style. Uh, it's just not, it just has a wrong feeling it's to people, me. It's people who, who, who are filming themselves playing with Play-Doh. Yeah, I'm not, like... I give them credit. If you make a good claymation film, like Mary and Max, I thought was phenomenal. I think Mary and Max is one of the best animated films I've ever seen. But I think stop motion animation is just such a fascinating way of making a movie. and It's got a very distinct feel. Yeah. And if it's done right, so any of the ones we mentioned, anything out of Leica Studios, it is beautiful. And it can be done in some unbelievable ways. And this even ties into Ray Harryhausen back in the, like, Back in the days of sword and sandals that we'll get to probably next. Well, I won't disagree. Uh, I'll go next. Anime. Yeah. Just. I extolled about it last week, but the 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 Fate Stay Night Heavens Feel movie and just a lot of the anime movies I've seen, there is so much detail put into it. And what I, what I love about anime is that what nowadays Western studios are exploring in the animation field, the, the themes and such that they're exploring now, anime has been explore has been exploring since its inception. Essentially, they they have been talking about adult subjects and the like from the beginning, and as such, along with just the different different drawing styles and how how the characters look and all that, you get so much more depth. And I think because they've been doing it for so long, because they haven't been they haven't had limits put on it because oh it's just for kids. Yeah. Like right. I saw I saw Akira this last week. Ghost in the Shell comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Cuz that that's very adult. Like that's oh, yeah. that's matrix level. 
because yeah. that's what inspired Matrix. And you've got all of that, and there's such a wide range of styles in it because it's essentially it's essentially a, an umbrella for anything Eastern. Yeah. That it just you will find something you like. You yeah. will find something you will enjoy for sure. For sure. For me, again, this is a tough one for me. Because Disney. Again, Disney. It's the majority of the animation that I've been exposed to throughout my life. I'm going to have to say 3D animation is probably where I'm going to have to go with. Okay. Right. Simply because, for me, it's the most visually appealing to look at. Yeah. Uh, also, to the, col- the how vivid the colors are for me is a lot easier for me to, like... Yeah get into and just oh my god right there in front of me so okay yeah i'm gonna have to go with 3d animation for sure the problem with 3d animation is the films themselves like right now the most out of any of the these subgenres in animation here other than maybe anime anime cranks out a lot of stuff but if you're looking here in america 3d animation is the most popular and while yes it does the best job at you know showing stuff right now it's also the one that has the most hit or miss. True. Like, if someone takes the time to craft, say, a, a stop motion animation, there's a lot of time put into it. Whereas 3D animation feels like it's like boom, slap boom, it together. Boom. Yeah. Like, if you get Pixar, you're golden. But if you get like DreamWorks, well, you Maybe. might you might get something good, or you could get Ugly Dolls. You know, it's yeah. like you you it's, could get a How to Train Your Dragon, but you could yeah. also get a How to Train Your Dragon too. Yeah, it feels like. It's hit or miss, which yeah. it feels hit or Joke. miss. Whereas, yes. to me, I I like the idea that knowing that that tiny book sitting on a bookshelf is a physical item that was made to somebody. So, like stop motion animation, it's like knowing that book right there was physically made by somebody. Well, yeah, it's just fascinating. I can agree. I also I also like stop motion and even the claymation. Look at any Tool music video. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of there's a lot of love crafted into those videos. And you also have to wonder at what's wrong with the people that do it. Yeah. For me, if I wasn't going to go 3D, I'd have to go 2D digital. Yeah, I understand. Just because of how they started doing the animation with the multiple layers of glass for Disney yeah. to provide depth was just ingenious. And it fascinates me to see how that's done. So Okay. Yeah. Like, really, the only one that I don't like is Claymation. Yeah. Rotoscoping is just hard to watch. Like It worked for Scanner Darkly, but... I've never seen it work. Even then, it was kind of hard to yeah, look at. I've never sometimes. seen rotoscoping work. All right, so, then. So, so what do we got left? Uh, what we have left is comedy, fantasy, and sci-fi. Let's do sci-fi last. So That's let's jump me. into some fantasy. All right. Uh, ones we have here, we've mentioned sword and sandals. We've mentioned sword and sorcery. Sword and sandals is classic, like... Conan. Conan, uh, Clash of the Titans, you know, the most of our mythological, Ben-Hur... Yep, and so on. Sword and sorcery. You have Lord of the Rings. Wizards. Yep. You have like classic D and D style. You have Dungeons and Dragons. You have Dungeons and Dragons inspired movies. That Aragon. Is. Aragon. Yeah. Don't even get um, me started. It is though. Yeah. I know. Uh, then you have urban fantasy, which is something like I mentioned, Covenant. Yep. Um, something that is a supernatural being walking around. You have Blade. You have Constantine. You have that kind of thing. That yep. is. A supernatural fantasy setting or fantasy set in a real set in New York. So right from the Will Smith movie. Yep. Uh, dark fantasy is 
Constantine. Uh, Pan's Labyrinth. <laughs> Constantine. It's a dark, dark horror fantasy, basically. Okay. It's a dark fantasy film. Quite literally. Fairy tale. Fairy tale film. Can either be good, bad, Hansel and Gretel, or Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters. Kind of oh. Hansel and Gretel Witch Hunters. Brothers Screw Grimm, you. Dark. Brothers Hansel Grimm. And, I've forgotten Brothers those movies. Grimm would be dark fantasy or fairy tale. Yeah. Yeah. Modern fantasy is the modern take on a fantasy film. So Harry Potter. Mm-hmm. Uh, that also kind of bridges over to uh, Urban. Percy Jackson and yeah. that kind of stuff. Yep. But it is a fantasy film set in a modern time. The most notable one is Harry Potter. Yeah, that's that's the big one that I mean. Followed closely by Percy, as I said. We've already mentioned gothic romance, but gothic horror is set in a very particular time period mm-hmm. where it's kind of that turn-of-the-century gothic feeling. Gothic architecture, gothic yep. monsters, and so on. Um, you know, usually uh, Van Helsing. Yep. Van Helsing. Classic Dracula, uh, anything. Yeah. Um, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen yep. would kind of fit in that, as well as something coming up in sci-fi. Sadly. So, who should go first this time? I'll go first. All right. Mine is a combination of urban and dark fantasy. All right. I, again, I love exploring the human the human nature. What what a, what a human psyche will do. And both of those are a good way to do it. Because the dark fantasy is just that, it's just that you're looking at the dark aspects with the monsters and all that sort of stuff. The urban fantasy I also like because it also looks into the... Uh, into basically the underbelly. Yeah. It looks into like the secret society sort of thing. Like you said, Blade, Constantine. Hellboy, Hellboy 2. It looks at the darker aspects that you try to keep away from. I mean, you could almost say. Uh, it's the supernatural level directly under the surface. You could almost say MIB to a certain extent. MIB, yeah. Uh, MIB could very well be that same thing. But yep. it's, a, like I said, I like a combination of that and the dark because. That's basically Lovecraft. It's like mm-hmm. it's the it's that it's that dark fantasy where what goes bump in the night, and what does a human do to combat that? Yep. What lengths will you go to? And that's yeah. I find it makes for more interesting. I am a combination of sword and sorcery and gothic horror. Uh, <laughs> I am a huge fan of the Lord of the Rings, anything along those lines. And gothic horror, I have loved the architecture, the genre, the costuming, and any of the stuff coming out of oh, that time God. period. Anything, anything coming out of gothic horror is yeah. gorgeous. Extravagant. Absolutely wonderfully gorgeous. so. Yeah. Decadent, almost. Yeah. Yes. And, I mean, Interview with the Vampire, easily. Mm-hmm. That's a I good mean, dark... That's a good dark urban fantasy, and that has that gothic horror. Yeah, absolutely. Kind of blends them all. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, that's just where I'm at. So, I actually really like urban fantasies. Like I mentioned, Blood and Chocolate. I just really enjoy that kind of thing. I love Blade, and I love uh, Hellboy. If anyone's been following that, I love Hellboy, and I I love that kind of. You see the the normies, and then you see the weirdos beneath the surface. And as a cosplayer, I know I get that. Like I get, I get that, man. And that kind of subculture of not normal people. I absolutely love that in um, urban fantasy. But it is, I I would take an, an urban fantasy, particularly particularly a dark one like Mimic or Cronus. Yeah. So you're right in the exact same wheelhouse. Yeah, I very much so. Yeah. I also absolutely love sword and sorcery. A a good 
high fantasy film yeah can be amazing lord of the rings lord of the rings lord of the rings even hobbit like i genuinely enjoyed the hobbit films but like a genuinely good high fantasy film like that i will take over most films but there's not many being made they're the most sadly they're very costly to make and but other than lord of the rings there hasn't been one that's just stood out as amazing that smacked it out like some like willow and all those that are more high concept fantasy yeah i'll take an urban fantasy yep something that's grounded in reality but is still twisted okay all right so that's fantasy moving on to comedy here's a here's where we get into a whole lot of bad movies all right comedy first off this is not all of the different types of comedy there are uh, thousands. You pick any of the other genres and blend it with comedy, you get a half type of comedy. For comedy, you get slapstick. You know what slapstick is. Parody films, which are those like scary movie type comedy. That date movie. Date movie, epic movie, meet the Spartans. Yeah. I ain't going to be saying that. They're parody slash spoof movies. Uh, then you have dark comedies, dark slash black comedies, which are like Death of in Stalin. Bruges, Death of Stalin, ones that are morbid humor, World's that are dead. dark humor, that are sad Gallows. and depressing Gallows. humor, gallows humor. Yeah. Then you have urban comedy, also called Afro comedies. They are anything by Tyler Perry. Tyler Perry, uh, Norbit, you know, movies that are specifically made for African Americans. Um, there are other specific ones. There are a- there are Asian comedies and so on, but the big one is Afro comedy. Uh, you have rom-coms again. You have sex comedies like uh, American Pie. That the whole goal of main characters is to get laid. Yep. Coming of age comedies. Uh, something like Christmas Wallflower, Juno. Um, that are a person growing up or growing into being an adult. Gross out comedies like Jackass and that kind of stuff. That is anything how is, in your face. Again. Yeah. How in your face can we get before you? You uh, are no longer finding this funny. Awkward comedy, which is a whole lot of Michael Sarah. It's the one that the comedy is there because of how awkward the comedy is. And then you have the families as children's films, which just blanket are like made for children. Yeah. Um, how about Tom? You go first. All right. So for this one, I'm going to have to go with either the coming of age or or the awkward comedy. Right. Just because of the simple fact that Drink. Yep. Go go on, Satan. <laughs> because I have always liked these kind of comedies. I can't explain why for the awkward ones, maybe because I've always been kind of awkward. For Can you the tell. Yeah. The coming of age, to be fair, the those Just are. Sorry. Oh, <laughs> sorry. We'll let Tom talk. Those are always just fun for me to watch. I really think like Juno. I love that movie so much. I just really like those. That's where I'm at. When done well, they're really good. Yeah. When done bad, they are cringeworthy. I want to have my eye out. Yeah, it's true. Uh, yeah, mine mine is really easy. I love dark comedy. I absolutely love a movie that takes itself seriously, but what the people say just, you go, 
what really? <laughs> you know, I love I love movies that their humor is by dark, cynical, like sarcastic films. The, those are just great to me. And a whole lot of British comedy are dark, black Dry. humor. Yeah, like In the Loop, uh, Death of Solomon. Yeah, anything that's their humor is because of the situation and not because of the dumb joke that's being Almost how inappropriate the joke is for the situation. Yeah. Yeah. Or a whole lot of, like, Edgar Wright's are dark comedies, even though, like, something like Shaun of the Dead. A whole lot of that humor is, like, you (laughs) see a person getting eaten. Oh, well, that's happening. Go pick up Dom, kill, uh, shoot shoot Pete. Shoot Phil. Sorry, Phil. You know, like, that kind of stuff. That's a a gallows humor. Yeah, and, like, that kind of stuff. Like, I can't stand slapstick. It no. gets old fast. Parody, urban comedy, not my favorite. Rom-coms, meh. Sex comedies, meh. Coming-of-age comedies can be good. Gross out, no. Awkward awkward comedy can be good, but no. And then family slash children's comedy, not so much. Dark comedy, all the way. 100% the same. Just that black comedy. Death of Stalin was one of the funniest movies I've seen in years. And that is honestly as dark as you can get. Gallows humor, like... I would say in Bruges is a step darker than that. Yeah. Death to Smoochie. Death to Smoochie. Yeah, but the yeah. thing is, I hated the main character in Bruges. Yeah. But it's like, going back to Upgrade, there's a lot of humor in that. Mm-hmm. It's dark. It yeah, is. Yeah. It is. It is black humor. And, oh my God, I was laughing my ass off. Yeah. Like a movie where they're looking at a dead body and be like, I have to fish a key out of that? And then, like, it's the scene is funny instead of, like, Saw 5 where he has to fish a key out of a guy's body. It's like, I like that the the character is trying to figure out, well, how the hell do I get a key out of that? You know, or it's like, like that ready or not was hilarious. Or, like, yeah. it just, just kind of the disassociations. Like, I remember hearing a joke about how uh, a bunch of doctors are watching an autopsy. And when the, when, the doctor, when the doctor is performing it, pull back this skin. One, one of them who's eating a sandwich slaps the other guy and say, see? That is like pointing at the muscle exposed. And it's like that's the same color red we want on the living room. It's like yeah, like that kind ignore, of. It's like it's so it's they are so used with their cracking jokes, and that's the humor. Yeah, I've always loved humor like that. That's it's not catering for the audience; it's the characters making jokes. Yeah, There's it's the, the char- it's almost the irre- yeah. irrelevance. Yeah, irreverence. Irreverence. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. word. Yeah, yeah. Irre- It's the irreverence of of the joke that makes it. Kind of hilarious. Yeah. So, Absolutely. So yeah, that's my favorite kind of comedy is dark comedy. Same. Yeah. All right. Final one. We'll and the this one is the, the big one that has the most diverse and specific subgenres of all of them. Sci-fi. Now, I have a list here, and this is not all of them, but it's a whole hell of a lot of them. It's also hard to it's also the hardest to pick, Devin. Yeah, that's why I left it for last. First off, we have hard sci-fi, something like Gravity, something like Ad Astra, that is as realistic as you can possibly One thousand percent steeped in science. Uh, yeah. 2001. Yeah, even uh, Upgrade is a hard sci-fi. It yeah, is a realistic sci-fi. It is done realistically. Yep. I, I will not disagree with that. Hard sci-fi can also be something that's a bit speculative, which we'll get to. Apocalyptic, obviously something that is... The apocalypse is happening. Um, 2012. 2012. Uh, days at, day after tomorrow. Um, even something like Transcendence. That kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Something uh, Terminator Salvation is apocalyptic as well as other things. 
post-apocalyptic is something that takes place after. So Mad the Max. road, Mad Max, Fury Road, Mad Max, Akira. Road Warrior, Kira, something that takes place after a apocalypse. Future Noir is something like Blade Runner. It is a detective, detective film, or so is, you mean neo noir, pretty much. Yeah, uh, Ghost in the Shell, Ghost in the Shell, yeah, those kind of things. Something like that. That is that is someone going after a mystery. Uh, Minority Report. Yeah. yeah. Though to be fair, uh, Ghost in the Shell can also fit into another one that's coming up in a minute. Absolutely. Yeah. A whole lot of these can cross over. Yeah. Then we have Space Opera, which is Hmm. a... Which is... Star Wars. Star Wars. This is the big one. That's the big one. Dune is a space opera. Yes. A lot of Star Trek can be a space opera as well as a hard sci-fi, depending on... Depending on the writer. Depending on the writer. But Space Opera is Star Wars. That's that's, that's the big one. That... That is 100% uh, Jupiter Ascending is a space opera and so on. Uh, military sci-fi is ones where the military is doing something. Uh, Starship Troopers is... Yeah, Starship Troopers. I'm also thinking of the Tom Cruise one. Uh, Day after tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, Edge of Tomorrow. Edge yeah. of Tomorrow. I, I, I want to go to Live, Die, Repeat since that's essentially what it is. Yeah, yeah. It, It's been renamed to Live, Die, Repeat. But um, military sci-fi, you get like the military jocks. Aliens. Yeah, yep. Damn it. I was just thinking. Uh, Predator. Yep, military. Yeah, military going after the bad guy. Ooh, Very huh. hard, good, bad. Doom. So I'm Doom. Yeah, <laughs> military sci-fi. Yeah. Um, that's also a horror sci-fi. So I'm gonna say horror sci-fi. So Pandorum, those kind of things. Yeah. Yep. It. Or, uh, not it. The thing. Event Horizon. Yeah. Ghosts of Mars. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we don't talk about that. Then we're going in. Then there is a subset of subgenres called the punks. These ones are kind of weird. We have steampunk, which is usually Victorian. a Victorian England, but everything's powered by steam. So because yeah. Wild Wild West. Wild Wild West is one of them. Uh, steam Boy is one of the best yeah. steampunk films. But steampunk is a very particular subset of yes. this sci-fi. And you don't see a whole lot of steampunk when, when you do. Golden. Golden Army has a lot of steampunk in it. Yes. Diesel Punk... I'm going to jump over cyber for a second. Diesel Punk is Mad Max Fury Road. Oh, it so is everything run on diesel gas, and gas is the most important thing. So essentially so, replacing steam with gas. Yeah, so you get a lot of, like, the the guzzlers and, like, that kind of stuff. Everything's run on... Waterworld, gotcha. Waterworld is a diesel punk. And also yeah. following, following vehicles that honestly should have used up their gas in the first mile. Yeah. So you get a lot of wrong. a lot of no. the a lot of post apocalypse is uh, is diesel. diesel punk. Yeah. Then you have atom punk or atomic punk, which is set Fallout. roughly Fallout is yeah. a atomic punk. It's set kind of roughly around the nineteen fifties or World War Two, and it is atomic age, uh, but futuristic. So you get a lot of Fallout, you know, with the the mechs and all that. You get Iron Sky, I believe. Uh, yeah. Sky Captain of the World of Tomorrow. Um, you get the the bunker, the No Man's Land scenes from um, uh, Sucker Punch and a bunch of stuff in there. It's a very particular one. Uh, biopunk, the next one, is bioengineering. So someone that is being Ooh. like modified and upgraded like with chemical engineering. That is biopunk. Like getting your blood changed so you so you run faster and getting cyber like cybernetic enhancements inside of you. So upgrade is kind of a biopunk as well. But for the most part, it's a very particular liquid-based future. 
The Boys. Huh? The Boys. The Boys is Biopunk, but you get this a lot in video games. Uh, Bioshock. Yep. Yeah, I won't lie. Like, uh, a Tom Punk and Biopunk seem way more video game. Yeah, you get a lot of the punks in video games because they're yeah. worlds that are fascinating, not particular stories. And then the other one that fits most in sci-fi is cyberpunk. Obviously, Ready Player One is a huge cyberpunk. Blade Runner, Matrix, Ghost in the Shell. Blade Runner, Ghost Alita. in the Shell, Alita Battle Angel. That's yep. a lot of cyberpunk, which is a future, a future that is almost gone utopian, but is not quite there yet. And it's like the idea of Getting cybernetic upgrades is the biggest thing, or being on cyberspace. Those are the two that needs to be cyberpunk is cybernetics, so robotic bodies, new body parts, and so on, or the cyberspace, so jumping onto the World Wide Web. Moving on from those, speculative sci-fi, which is what if futures. Oh, we can see her all day with that. Yeah. So yeah. again, man in the high castle kind of ties in with that, but. Something like Ad Astra kind of ties into speculative. Um, a lot of them, speculative kind of jumps between the different ones. It's what is our future going to look like if this happens? I'd almost say speculative could also handle a lot of different what ifs, like coherence. Yeah, coherence is kind of a speculative. Because you're looking at alternate realities. Yeah. And a lot of alternate realities are speculative sci fi. Right. Time travel sci fi. I hate this. Time travel sci fi is Back to the Future, is a time machine. Is Time Machine, is Groundhog Day, yep. is da- or, uh, Edge of Tomorrow, is... It is also the yeah. easiest one to screw up. It is definitely the easiest one to it screw up. It is 100% But if it's done one. right, and you have something like Time Crimes, it is phenomenal. So, yep. there are a lot of movies that are great, a lot of movies that are absolutely terrible. Time Travel is a very difficult one. Avengers Endgame, Time Travel. Yes. Yeah. Which was done really well. Time travel slash alternate realities. Yeah, they that was actually done really well. They could say whatever they want. Yeah. It, yeah. it jumped yeah. into alternate Doctor realities. Who. Yeah. Uh, the <laughs> next one up is Cosmic Horror, which is kind Lovecraft. of that Lovecraftian uh, something evil is out there. Something is out there. And it's the it, it's kind of a blend of horror, a blend of fantasy, a blend of sci-fi. But something is out there and it is too immense or too big for you to comprehend something like arrival kind of taps into cosmic horror uh the mist con- or touches cosmic horror uh whole- almost everything lovecraft's ever done touches into cosmic horror it's there is something out there it's not the speculation that there might be it is and it is affecting you in some way uh it, not necessarily cloverfield but that netflix net that netflix movie Cloverfield Paradox? Yes. Yeah. That's very much Cosmic Horror done bad. I didn't say it was good. Yeah. I said that's... But yeah. Um, the last three that I've actually added on, Alien Invasion films, obvious. Uh, something like Independence Day or Mars Attacks, so on. Uh, Alien Invasion, Attack the Block, big thumbs up. Uh, then you have the Utopian films, which you, there's not many of them because nothing says a Utopia, but... It is the future when the world is perfect, not deemed to be perfect. It is perfect. And something happens to the main character to make them think it's not. Then you have the dystopian where the world is not perfect. And that's the point. Equilibrium. So you have something like Equilibrium. Matrix is very much a dystopian. Yeah. Once they get out of the Matrix, which is a utopia. 1984. Yeah. 
1984, uh, Fahrenheit 451. There, we could sit here all day. Dystopian is probably the most popular sci-fi when it comes to future sci. So that's all the different topics. Who wants to go first? I think I will because I'm sure with you two, I like all these. Mm -hmm. I could easily watch any one of them as long as it's done right. But I definitely go towards the cosmic horror slash sci-fi horror. That's look at my look at my top sci-fi picks. We got we got the thing. We got Pandora. We've got Event Horizon. And I remember there was one like the first aliens. Like I I love all of those. And what are they? They they are horror based. Yeah. Whether it's cosmic or not, Event Horizon is a good cosmic horror Mm -hmm. because there is something messing with them. Oh yeah, that would definitely. What is it? Don't know. But it's like. Those are what I love. I, I love the the horror of the expanse of space. Yeah, that's where it kind of fits Ad Astra as well. Yes, that's why and I even parts of Serenity, the Reavers went insane because of Cosmic Horror. Because they saw the edge of space and snapped. It's kind of that story, but something else made them snap too. So yeah. There's a lot of stuff going on there. But. Yeah. Yeah, but it's like I love, I love that. Again, it's looking at the darker side of humanity that people don't necessarily, of, of the, of the universe that people don't always like to contemplate, but I think makes for a more interesting story. Yeah. Is it necessarily a happier one? No. 99% of the time, no, it's not. But it's more interesting. I touch a more visceral level for me. All right. Tom. Uh, for me, I'm going to have to go with the space opera and military sci-fi mix. To the surprise of no one. Right. I mean, Star Wars is by far my absolute favorite thing as far as sci-fi goes. But at the same time, I also love those military sci-fi films. So things like uh, Avatar, where military is getting involved, where you have uh, the Starship Troopers, by far one of my favorite sci-fi films of all time. As corny as it is. Yeah. And just having anything like that. I mean, for what it's worth, Star Trek has that very militaristic feel to it very much throughout. As much as they're trying to be, you know, diplomatic and explorative and things like that. There's definitely a military backing all of that. So that's where I would have to go without a doubt. Mine. Oh, man, I'm. Like I, I love hard sci-fi. I love apocalyptic. I love all those. Yeah. Um, I love future noir. That's cool. But I have to go. I'm just gonna throw in the punks. Like I absolutely love steampunk when it's done right, and it is never done right. <laughs> like it is Wait very, very seldom you ever see a good steampunk anything. Um, you think like honestly when I think about it, uh, I'm not a huge fan of Wild Wild West because they had so much potential but didn't do it. Right. Uh, they had glimpses of it, but it wasn't there. Golden Army, though, I love the fact that that has cyberpunk mixed in with fantasy. That is awesome to me. Um, Steam Boy was great. Cyberpunk, I think, is hands down my favorite of all of these. I absolutely love... There are, like, Tron. Yes. Particularly Tron Legacy, because I can't stand the original because of the effects. Yes. Tron Legacy is one of the coolest films I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. Not my favorite film overall, but the style of it is just awesome. It's distinct. It's yeah. distinct. Yeah. I love that neon, like, the glowing 
glowing lights mixed in and like Sombra and Overwatch is steam or a cyberpunk as hell. I, I will say that cyberpunk also seems to push the boundaries the most out of the punks. Yeah. I just, I think the aesthetic of cyberpunk is so awesome. Like ghost in the shell, say what you want about the story and everything. I think visually it is one of the coolest movies to come out in years. Yeah. I just think that is awesome. And Alita Battle Angel, which is oh kind of a God. weird blend of cyber, steam, diesel, atomic. They all kind the of punk. all, it's like a blend of all the punks into one of my favorite. Like, I want to see Zalem at the top because I think that is as cyberpunk utopian as I can go. I absolutely love that world. And like uh, Ready Player One, I absolutely love that world. And I think I just absolutely love a good cyberpunk. And Blade Runner. It is the pinnacle of sci- like of cyberpunk. I absolutely love Blade Runner, Blade Runner 2049. I'm looking forward to Cyberpunk 2077. So am I. God, yeah. I love For sure. good cyberpunk. Yeah, that that looks like what uh Deus Ex Human Revolution should have been. Like I love I love the world of Deus Ex. And the thing is, I love the worlds more so than I love the stories they actually tell. The worlds are just Great. And I found that that's what the last cyberpunk is that, yeah, you can get attached to the characters, but it's more about the world they inhabit. Yeah. I absolutely love the world, and I would love to see a good, big-budget cyberpunk TV show. There's not been many. There's been some anime, and those don't fully count here in America, because you could do just about anything with animation. But I want to see... You want to see Game of Thrones for Cyberpunk? I want to see a Game of Thrones Cyberpunk show. That would be sweet. Like, I'd uh, be down. Sam. That's one of the reasons why I like the Star Wars prequels. Is because Coruscant feels like a cyberpunk world. Yeah. And the ships and stuff feel more cyberpunk to me. Like, uh, the metallic silver ships. And, like, I love that. More so than the, the more almost diesel punk, atomic punk styles of the originals. I love the the sleek ships. I love the Minority Report. That whole world with the the touch, the monitors, and I just think all that is awesome. So I, I cyberpunk to me. I won't disagree, hands down. But if a good steampunk movie comes around and does steampunk correctly, by cyberpunk, steampunk's up. And atom atomic punk when done right is awesome. Biopunk, a good like biopunk. Cyberpunk combo is golden. So I mean, like Gamer and Surrogates, I liked both of those. I love movies. the concept of Surrogates. I love the concept of Gamer. Yeah, but they, they weren't, weren't done quite good. But yeah. I liked the way I liked the concepts. Yes, absolutely. I want someone to take those concepts and make a show that is rich and like built into the tapestry, and not just like a procedural set in that world. Absolutely. I want like a really good, really good thing I can sink my teeth into. And that's where cyberpunk. I it's absolutely love. Well, at least favorite the space opera because it gets way too slacky way too easily. What's fair? It, it's got the same problem I have with romance. Is that it yeah. goes it goes and it, it it dings that bell for me a little too easily. Yeah. But but Star Wars is great, and then there's a lot of other just me. So fair. Yeah. So so yeah, that's all of our subgenres. Uh, if you agree with us, if you, uh, we're gonna post this list when we post the um, show. So if you agree with this, if there's any particular subgenres that you like that maybe we didn't mention, I think we'd mentioned just about everything. There's also bottle dramas and cult classics, but we won't get to those. 
And then the other hybrids that we didn't cover. Then there's a lot of hybrids, action comedy, sci-fi comedy, and so on. But but yeah, if there's any any subgenre that you absolutely love, feel free to leave a a comment on wherever it is that you got this. (laughs) Feel free we're on Anchor, so feel free to leave an audio comment saying what your favorite is. If you agree with any one of us, say who you you agree with the most. I'm curious. Uh, We'll be back next week, hopefully. Our schedules are kind of mixed up, so next week we might have different time schedules. Stay tuned if you're interested. Any last comments before I sign up? No, I think that about covers it for me. Go out there, watch movies, check us out on Facebook at ITC Movie Podcast. Uh, Check us out on Spotify, Google Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, any of those. Uh, Anchor, listen to us, check us out. Cool. Uh, We'll be back hopefully next week. Bye. Go see at Astra. It's awesome. Yep. Bye. Bye.